Hello, today I welcome singer, songwriter, self-proclaimed champion blagger and double bass superstar Scott Quinn to the podcast. We're diving into the music industry and even spilling the tea on an iconic Irish duo sliding into the DMs. Please join me in welcoming Scott to the podcast. And of course, as always, please forgive any noise disturbances as we are recording this remotely and also any issues with mic volume. Coming from me, not the man that uses a microphone professionally, obviously. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Scott Quinn. You get it all, she's at your back and call when you're taking the liberty. Yes, you're taking the liberty when you're talking with me. So excited to have you here. I'm sorry to interrupt whatever song masterpiece you might have been making, but thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Firstly, how's your week been? What songs have been getting you through it? No, it's good. Busy. I've been uh, very fortunate to be very busy during lockdown, which is a blessing in many ways. And obviously for my kind of like career to be my passion, to be my outlet is like just good luck on my part because I couldn't imagine having been in a structured profession maybe a nine to five or any other profession that gives you that structure and then to have that taken away is like I know a lot of my friends who are in those professions have had that pretty difficult so feeling very lucky to have that just writing a lot of songs for other people during lockdown and then Mm -hmm. relaunch my artist career again which has been really fun but great that you can still do it remotely. For sure. Now, I find being a songwriter is a childhood dream of many people, myself included, but we won't talk about that ever. <laughs> we do. We should. Let's talk about that now. Nope. <laughs> what got you into playing music? Were you on the like recorder violin at primary school? We all played the recorder. Mm-hmm. Who didn't play the recorder? Recorder <laughs> is like the entry level for anyone. I think it's such a good... Yeah. Like you think at the time it's such a weird thing that everyone just happens to play recorder but it's just very accessible uh no i was thrown in with the clarinet as a child straight in mm-hmm. didn't even play the recorder. jeez okay yeah. sorry that's a bit of a flex so <laughs> sorry I, I, we are not worthy <laughs> so <we're... laughs> but on to you what did you play i played recorder and i actually had uh later in my life i know people who stuck with the recorder and became like grade eight diploma no recorder way. players which i never thought was a thing but no, i was yeah i was um recorder and then violin and then cello from the violin and then i eventually ended up on and played piano a bit in the meantime mm-hmm. but then i ended up playing double bass and i remember getting asked i used to go to a music center on a saturday in north allerton up north and um they needed a double bass player and so of course i was just like i'll do it yeah, <laughs> I, I miss being i miss being young and just naive and just full of like of course i'll just play the yeah, double bass. of course like how hard can it be exactly and the tuning is like it's similar to violin it's the same as violin but it's mm-hmm. not similar to cello so i was playing cello at the time so i just picked it up and it just seemed to fit and i just kind of blagged my way through it and then proceeded to and as i'm condensing this this is going to sound beyond arrogant but i proceeded to basically become the top of my game for my age bracket the world's greatest of well i did i won i won a competition in the uk for some like under 16s and it put me basically as like one of the best of all bass players in the uk at my age and i like peaked early i peaked early if i had all this achievement now i'd be like killing it but... says the man that writes for keith urban <laughs> all right and i'll give you that and then yeah just double bass was my thing for a bit and we used to like i used to be in the national children's orchestra we used to tour around china and we had all these crazy experiences amazing but then how do you progress from loving music to being a double bass champion yeah. to songwriting? <laughs> Did you go to uni? 
I went to uni. Uh, I went to Bucks New University in High Wycombe my first year to do music management and uh, production. And the course was insane. It was so good because it was the, the lecturers were in industry still. You know, they turn up late to lectures mm-hmm. because their artist, their managing was playing whatever. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That was real life lessons. But where I lived in High Wycombe was super rough. And as you, you can probably tell quite quickly, I'm not rough. <laughs> I'm a very sensitive chap. <laughs> I made a conscious effort. I moved from North Yorkshire and, you know, grew up in towns and villages. And like mm-hmm. my background isn't, uh, you know, I'm not, wasn't an insanely privileged one, but it was countryside so it was all chill like there was a bit rough and ready at the schools i went to but it wasn't like gangs and stuff and i managed to land myself on probably the roughest street called upper green street and the whole thing was just one thing after another and i actually had my first bout of depression there well my first and only actually today but i got really ill there and lost a ton of weight and i couldn't really figure out why no did music help with that did, well, this is the thing. My music's always been my go-to, but the, the, mm-hmm. there was only one piano in the whole university and it was usually taken up, so I had no outlet. Claimed by you. But oh. no, I tried to, and I tried to, but I just haven't none of it. Um, so I eventually left and I'm transferred to Leeds College of Music for second and third year. So do you recommend going to uni? Do you know many people in the industry that haven't? I know a bunch who haven't. To be honest, my uni experience wasn't great. It was a lot of subjective chat and a lot of kind of... My course was very much based on your own talents, basically. And I stopped, you know, one of my segments was like doing music for film and I stopped going to my lectures and ended up at the top of my class. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. This is a very expensive way of me like figuring this out. (laughs) Yeah, knowing I'm great on my own. (laughs) But no, I don't mean to sound like that, but you know what I mean? It's just like basically me taking the time just to focus on the work rather than just chatting to, you know. It caused me to end up on the path I am now. I had to submit basically a a solo piece of work and I'd been in bands before then and never thought about being a solo artist and so for my project I did this EP and then that was the thing that kind of launched my solo career amazing did you sack off the band at that point unfortunately the band kind of was sacking itself off in the meantime and we were really gunning it we'd spent five years like trying to make it and we did so many shows and like we used to get played loads on local radio which was amazing but we always wanted that radio one play and then it was that EP I did at uni. I uploaded a track to BBC Inducing and it got played immediately on Radio 1. Oh, BBC Inducing is incredible. That's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But I'd achieved the one thing that we tried to achieve in the band for mm-hmm. five years within my first month of this project. And I just thought, okay, something feels different with this. Telling. Absolutely. And so whilst you were juggling uni with your band, did you have any random jobs? I had... I've actually been... I'm a funny old... I'm from... my Both my parents, they... my I've run businesses in the past and my mum runs a charity and so we're quite entrepreneurial and I've never really been able to work for anyone (laughs) so I've really struggled to have bosses Um, and so my one I I was a music technician straight out of school at the school I went to for sixth form and that was amazing it was my first like Mm -hmm. paid job it was my first salary job I grew up really quick and kind of like my first adult time whatever but then during uni yeah I kept afloat by uh basically wangling my own stuff so i used to do um, a lot of session channels like live session channels i used to do the audio for them and record this i worked with a there's a youtube channel called jack scat which was huge at the time jack harris for Harris, and we launched a, a session stream of content called shed sessions where we recorded artists in their shed Amazing. so i used to do that and there was a bit of money there and i did it with for a bunch of different places is it bad that i remember that no no it's not me no they were like killing it crazy and they, I mean, they're still doing amazing stuff now. And I also did manage a, an ice cream shop for a short time. You what? This is great. And I, but this is another example of it. So I managed to get just like a weekend job there to kind of get some cash. 
and looking back on it now again it just comes across so arrogant but it, it was so well-meaning i was there on my first shift and i was like watching things happen and stuff and just thinking okay cool well I've started jotting down ideas of how they could increase their revenue. <laughs> so I had this like, by the end of my first shift, I had this like booklet of like ideas that you could increase their revenue. And I, I took it to the, the boss and he was just like, I mean, you, this is ballsy yeah. and you're a bit of a prick. You're a bit of a prick for doing it, but great. Yeah, but that's the only thing that like hmm. companies want you to make the money at the end of the day. And it's good that you've learned that from everything yeah even from working in an ice cream shop well that's it and he he basically made me manager weekend manager from then on and he was just like i'll pay you whatever you want to be paid to cover all your expenses let's just do this did you find that like being able to speak to people and being able to help with business did that help you make connections yeah i mean i've always networking for me has been the the kind of the currency especially now now more than ever um and i've always enjoyed that kind of hustle of it and so even when leaving uni and I'd finished my degree and I'm kind of like not knowing what, where I want to go next. And because of my background, my dad lost his business when I was young and we had all these financial hardships. I very much wanted security. So I wanted to plug into a nine to five that had prospects and just maybe a label or whatever and just like grow to the top. And that basically ever since I left uni, I've been self-employed, ended up in the, the most volatile industry in the world. Um, but I wouldn't literally wouldn't change it for the world. I, I love it too much. No, it gives you so much freedom. Yeah, for sure. And I used to just hustle random creative projects out of uni. Um, I was helped run uh, on Sofa, which is a live session channel on YouTube. And we kind of ran that for a few years. Did a bunch, set up an app, set up a YouTube channel. We did like um, promoing small businesses and stuff. And it was just anything that I could be creative and trying to figure out how can I make money off this. And we used to, like we, it wasn't a lot, but like we would charge, you know, our fees increased and there was money coming in, whatever. And then I just got too busy with my music Absolutely. and then had to basically find a way to move down to London. Yeah, which is the best way, I think, of going about it. Like having all these revenues and then actually when you can do something you love, you can yeah. put everything into that and jump. For sure, for sure. And it's a massive, it's a massive risk for anyone to do that, I think. I, I was in positions at times where I felt very comfortable yeah. and I could have stayed where I was and kind of just stuck around and for the rest of my life. But Yeah, I think it's pushing yourself. You for need sure. that like nervous energy. Yeah. Like I walked naively footed into the ritz kitchens at 14 being like hi i can help <laughs> so bad the most no way. um yeah they hated me i mean but it worked it did work um oh <laughs> yeah i can imagine what they were thinking while yeah. i was there yeah <laughs> so you pushed yourself and i mean stayed away from um the nine to five even though younger you was definitely not pushing for that what advice would you give your younger self like looking back now and what you know about the industry would you still follow the same path that you did oh without a shadow of a doubt i've become increasingly more fortunate or realizing how fortunate mm -hmm. i was from a young age knowing i wanted to do music and having parents that you know even when money was tight that i had an endless stream of support like and then i meet people now and i've been in like past relationships where i see they've come from you know a lot of privilege but they haven't the love wasn't there and the support wasn't there and i've been so fortunate to have nothing but blind faith and so looking back to me now it's just like there's a few things, you know, I'm very much into mental health and psychology and I took myself to therapy probably three or four years ago and it was one of the best and most productive things I've ever done and it allowed me to like, which I think everyone should do, is like check in with your ego and it doesn't mean that, I think everyone thinks ego is just like, means you're big headed and arrogant, more just like how you interact with the world is all based off ego and checking that sooner rather than later makes everything so much easier and especially this music, the music industry is just, 
it trades on a commodity of your feelings. You're, you're writing from a place of your experiences or it's something close to you. And especially with songwriting, it's sort of like, it mm. just exploits all the trauma that you have because you're writing so deeply into what you're trying to say. Yeah. And I guess like mental health and supporting mental health charities um, has been a focus of yours, obviously. Exactly. Because um, of the industry and growing up and everything. Yeah. Have you found have you found like their support in the industry well i actually set up a, a mental health initiative within the music industry for the reason that it wasn't focused on at the time and i was um working with a charity called help musicians uk who are incredible and they do some incredible work they've been around for like 100 years under a different name and i had this idea that i wanted to launch a video series and basically a platform to raise awareness for mental health um, but basically do it in an area that i know which is music and I wanted to call this platform MAD. And it was a base of the word like music and depression. And it was the the main aim was to flip the energy. I love flipping the energy of things. And so like there's a lot of negative energy and connotations around the word MAD. Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of harness that and flip it, then you're onto a good a run there. And so we actually launched this um, initiative with Help Musicians UK. They did an independent academic study into whether the music industry exacerbates mental health which the results came back as shockingly yes and they set up a hotline so people can call in and it's like samaritans but specifically from people in the music industry and it was just it was just this great thing and i remember we launched it at the great escape and i was sat on a panel and we launched it as mad and then someone came up to me afterwards really upset and angry that i dared to call this thing mad you're like but you don't understand but no but that's the thing but I, that's what I, exactly what I wanted to happen and this woman came up to me and she said you don't understand da, 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 da. I explained my background with mental health and said look you've just come across this entire room sifted through hundreds of people to come to me and now we're having a discussion they actually I got too busy and ended up not running that with them anymore and they changed it to music minds matter which is a lot more of a corporate tag. But at the same time, they do wonderful work. And, you know, I think it was probably for the best. Yeah, it's incredible. The connotation is of mad. I feel like it is spoken about quite a bit. I just read a book um, by Charlie Cox called She Must Be Mad. Um, and she's talking all about her experiences. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, oh, I know, Charlie. Yeah, she she's another one, though. She's, she hustled it. She became their kind of their producer and assistant and whatever. Very close friend of theirs. And the way she got it was that she posed as a a fake magazine and asked to interview the boys. And bearing in mind at that time, they were like... See, hustling. Hustling. They were like, really like teen famous, like all this, so much attention, millions of streams, this on the other. And she basically said, look, we're doing this interview. They rocked up. She's like, cool. So give me a job. Yeah. That's just like, if we've learned anything, hustle your ass off. Exactly. And yeah, fake it so you make it. It's not just the music industry. Well, I've got, randomly, um, loads of friends in the musical theatre industry. Um, Amazing. <laughs> long story as to why and um they had loads of questions for you because i was like singers help me what do you want to know marvelous so you have many many questions from many friends Ace. firstly we could do this quick fire ah. i mean they probably say a long long time to answer but do you write the melody or lyrics first when you're songwriting so a lot of the time i'm kind of known at the minute i've kind of found a niche in myself for melody and so there's a few examples of me finding my kind of instinct with it. I uh, did a song for BTS and Zara Larson a couple of years ago. They basically, I got sent a track by Miramasa. And I remember I, I hit play on it, put my voice memo app on. And I basically just freestyled like melodies and a few hook ideas. And, whatever. and I did it start to finish. And it's that exact melody that ended up 
being released on the track they redid the lyric the song is called a brand new day and it's this really optimistic like fresh take on the day but mine was like a sexualized song about the korean flute so like it's, it's come a long way please release that <laughs> well it's because I, I had a well, my whole relationship with them is all weird anyway it's just a weird kind of coincidences but yeah but interesting how you managed to still stay in touch with them to be able to get that gig was that who you knew again that and also it was a weird kind of serendipity like there was a They'd shared my music a few years before randomly on Twitter. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what they were. And at the time, K-pop was not something you wanted to be affiliated with because, and I feel harsh saying it now because it's such a great platform and I didn't know about it. But at the time, it seemed like a bit of a cheesy thing to get into. Um, but then I realized very quickly their their fan base are insanely loyal and loving and they just took me on immediately. I have this thing of like, if someone's taking the time and energy out of their day to message me or interact with me, I'm going to take the time and energy to reply back for as long as I can. And I had that mindset before this happened and then it happened and I spent three days straight replying to thousands of messages to which one I was up at 6am one time sifting through messages on Twitter and I just replied to this DM randomly and I looked back at it later and it was Jedward <laughs> of all people. <laughs> and this said, they'd said something dead weird. I wonder if I can find it. Oh my God, please. They'd be like, they go, hey man, found out about you from BTS. Keep rocking it. And I'd just been like, I was half asleep and just said thank you because I was just doing short replies at the time because I was knackered. And they're just like, it's all good. Rock today. We are wide awake. <laughs> Rock today. We are wide awake. wide awake. That could be a lyric. It could be. And that's a claim to fame. So back to the melody. Yeah. So basically that was my first instinctual like first run of that. And so basically now I'll receive a track or do it. And usually that's what I go with. And then lyrics Absolutely. come after. It's trusting your instincts. Like when you know something's right. Well, don't know. Have you read a book called Big Magic? It's my favorite book. Okay. By Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah, that's blew it. my mind that book, and she put words to feelings I've had for many years. But like the whole idea of like an idea will be born regardless of who does it, and I've had it in the past where I've come up with an idea and I've sat in it, but like I'm going to do this, this, and, this. and then literally a year later, someone not so distant from me has done the exact same idea, and I learned that's another ego dropping thing where I just learned to like let it go because it's, again, it's always going to be yours. Like it will be. Passed it's not going to be mine, and if I don't act on it, an idea is worth nothing. So. I've this that book really changed my life and I, I urge anyone in creative field or otherwise self-employed fields or whether to just read it because it is like the mm-hmm. bible for creative yeah. and sort of self-employed it really just puts you into such a different perspective about thinking about your ideas and how they can evolve to other people and how they it's will so just come so out into so the good world. it's incredible yeah, definitely but again it was like trusting your instinct and finding your flow with stuff like that and like I think we're all so um at the minute, everything's so we've we've grown into a culture of everything's so instantaneous, and we we want everything now, and everything's so quick, and we've forgotten how things take time. And I think inspiration is another thing, creativity is another thing that you can't force, and yet we're especially in the music industry, it's become a machine in many ways. And so we're having to really steer it back to focusing on allowing the things to come to us. And the problem is, people will like shudder at those like lines because it sounds so like airy fairy and a lot of people will disconnect to that because they think you have to be some kind of like sage burning hippie to do whatever and i love all that stuff anyway but it's real it's that energy we're made up of like atoms shaking at a certain vibe all this stuff is real and so we just got to take our time and let the things kind of happen as they come and that's just such a testament to you doing the band for however many years and then going on on your own and things happen yeah and sometimes it's really not easy like i've had to make some really tough calls in the past and like when i ran the youtube channel up north the on sofa one you know i had to leave it i had to leave it and move south and concentrate on my music and that involved my manager at the time was running the youtube channel with me 
He was a best mate of mine. We're incredibly close. Been through a lot. We employed my younger brother. So he had a job there. We had an investor. And in the space of one day, I had to go and sit with the investor and say, I have to leave. And he says, cool. Well, if you leave, I'm pulling the money out. And then we had to tell Jay. Then my brother was unemployed. And it was a lot. But it's only worked out for the best for all of us. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And if you hadn't, you wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah. And even it has a knock-on effect to the point where my brother had to make a decision then. And he's now moved to London. And he's killing it as an artist himself. And he's doing all these great things. And he's also hustled his way. The stories between us are just hilarious. We're just like completely just <laughs> taking a chance and just somehow blagged it we're king blaggers yeah but you have to yeah, you have in to. this life you have to fake it till you make it and just believe in yourself and just say yes to everything i really believe in that don't night lie but like yeah no but i will say yes like famously the double bass is a good example but i will say yeah like i did it while i've been down in london i've been you know now and again i'll have to pick up side hustles to keep the lights on and that's fine and i'll basically t- say yes to anything and I'll just teach myself. You have to. I can't agree with you more. Like, famously, I will say yes to just about anything. The Amazing. stories I could tell you about saying yes is... Yeah. <laughs> Let me think of an example to put you at ease. Um, I said yes to one of my friends who asked um, to do a hot cup hot tub commercial down the Thames um, <laughs> um, and I thought I would be filming it and lo and behold I was actually in the hot tub with a bunch of people I hadn't met and now they are some of my best friends what a gig though what a gig it was mental that's great <laughs> yeah fun it was a lot of fun they're literally a hot tub in going down the Thames <laughs> yeah so like a boat fun. thing yeah literally like a boat self-heated boat it's mental so much fun you're not in the Thames yeah Sort of. Was it the Thames? Um, no, no, but not. It's not. You're not. You're not like in hot version of Thames water, surely, because that's just yeah, like. Yeah, well, it was um, the what do you call it? Where Canary Wharf is. Um, the like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Water area. Oh, I see. It's in the. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it was sort of clean, but still sort of awful water. But yeah, anyway, say yes to everything. You never know where it's going to get you. We need to come back on and I'll interview you because it sounds like you've got stories to share that you can't get out on your own podcast. Fun. Yeah, I'll hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really quick fire. Okay, um, the next one is what themes are your songs about and how do you venture out of your comfort zone? So my stuff, my own artist stuff to date has been very much just like, it's quite um especially my older stuff was a lot broader looking at like big themes like humanity and kind of like themes of mental health but applied in certain ways of like i have a song called fallible creatures which is basically about the fact that we all are by nature not perfect we never will be it's not it's like a fake thing we've invented you will never reach that goal it's just not so there's that and there's like a song called delicate which is about again not working this nine to five to make someone else rich and like you know i've seen so many people just work their entire lives to then receive a bunch of soggy flowers on their leaving day and then then what it's just it doesn't make sense to me and i I feel kind of lucky to have that insight and it also again because it hasn't come from a place of i know a lot of people from very wealthy and affluent backgrounds who can afford to have this aloof kind of view on the world because they don't have to hustle for it having come from a different background where i still have to pay rent and stuff and make it work I feel lucky that I still have that optimism and the open-mindedness to be like this. There's something more than just working every day for working someone else. Nine to five, absolutely, and just doing something that actually makes you happy, even if it isn't like conventionally. I I I don't like Fridays, and I love Mondays. Like I struggle over the weekend because I enjoy my job so much. I'd rather just be doing it. 
but i hate that stuff shuts down i hate that i can't contact people i hate that like the random events that happen on a daily basis won't happen over a weekend sometimes they do it doesn't mean i don't i mean i do i prioritize shutting off and i love leisure time and seeing friends and all that but i just like the buzz of like you never know what today is going to bring and that just shows how much you love the career and like it is possible to have a job that you enjoy like you don't have to be sat in an office from nine to five unless you want to I think the key the key for me there was I did a guest lecture at Westminster Uni on the Zoom thing there, the, the, which was amazing. Um, and someone messaged me afterwards being like, you know, how are you? They basically wanted to live, you know, live a life as a songwriter and that be their main job, this and the other. And I think the emphasis wasn't necessarily on how much you'll earn rather than how much you need. It's kind of like, there's, we always talk about either the failed musicians or the multimillionaires at the top of the industry, the 1%. Mm-hmm. But there's a middle ground there where you can just get by doing odd jobs and things to do with music and whatever and just have a very comfortable existence. And even when I've been at my tightest financially and kind of like jobs are hit, not coming in at the minute and whatever, it's tough. But like I'm still living where I want to live, doing the thing I want to do. And then I just, I mean, I take a lot of joy from the very small things in life anyway. I'm very much a nuanced kind of like... Like, I love the smell of, like, a wood fire. That makes my day. There's a place in uh, Victoria Park Pavilion. They have a log fire there, and I can go there. If I've smelt that once a day, that's made my day. And there's those small things that sound so sad, but I'm just, like, I'm happy. So anything else is a bonus. Absolutely, I'm totally the same. Like, even when the sun's out, it just brings me so much joy. And I may have done nothing that day, but it's just such a great day. Celebrate the the small wins. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so the next question is, do you have to record in a studio or can you do it remotely? Where I'm sat now is where I did the BTS song, the Keith Urban song. I mix my EP in here with a friend on Zoom. It's more than possible at home. And like the good thing about even with, this is a lot about writing for the people, but my backing vocals and stuff stayed on the tracks. It's, there's on the BTS track and the Keith Urban track. And they're all just done here. And there's like, you can hear in the background, there's like the street cleaner outside going full wearing. Yeah, my flatmate's like making breakfast or something. You can hear it all in the thing. So yeah, you can definitely do it on a budget. And I think more than ever, the access is there. So good. Um, what equipment do you recommend then if you can do it remotely? Just the bare base. I have like a MIDI keyboard here. I have a set of monitors and this microphone's a Sontronics mic and they're really good. Um, they've supported me for years and like we've kind of, we've met and have a good relationship going there. And then I just have an interface and I'm not naming brands specifically because you don't need top notch. Because even if you have inverted like crappy monitors, you become used to them and you know what works and what doesn't. So you can literally just get by with a bare minimum. You can, you could just use your laptop. I know Phineas, who does all that, Billy Eilish and stuff, does a lot of stuff just on his Mac. Absolutely. Did you hear the interview where he um, was crossing the road and the noise of the um, yeah. monitor when you cross the road? He used yeah. that on one of the tracks. It's mental. All that stuff. I love stuff like that. So good. Um, so the next question is actually from my friend Jodie, who recorded the little intro to this. When you listen to the podcast, you will hear her beautiful voice um she wanted to know is branding important and do you have any tips on standing out we had i had this um conversation with my management team not long ago because obviously i've done my artist thing for a while now but this is my i've come back for you know i I was doing it consistently for a few years and then my management wasn't right and i went through two different managers before i landed on my third set of managers who are my my guys now and 
now I'm like I used to be very much like James Blake and Sam Fury and it was very much in my feelings like synth pop and very much kind of elusive and it was not very much face forward and I used to love that kind of like mystery to it whereas now I went away and wrote a load of pop songs for people and fell in love with pop and so I've kind of joined those two worlds together now so my music now is pop it's a lot more pop and I love that and so now we're like cool we're stepping out as a pop artist and suddenly you're in a different lane essentially and the thing about pop is it can you can it can just you can keep going it's endless it's limitless and you can bounce around genres and all sorts and so we said you know who is scott quinn the artist now i can't do persona i just can't what you see is what you get and people have said that when i've been on tour before they're like it's so weird because you're literally the same off stage or you're as you are on stage That's a and i enjoy that like, and i can yeah. i can roll with that I, I love that and but the problem with it is it's not the sexiest sell and so you have people like Ashniko, or you have people like Lady Gaga who have these very strong artist personas and they can switch it on turn it on dress up do the whole thing and that's it's exciting it's exciting to watch it's out of this world it's very not the norm whereas I'm just very normal <laughs> so I'm just kind of like I said maybe the maybe our whole angle isn't an angle at all because I very much am keen to like expose the smoke and mirrors of industry and like i had a good example of my first headline show we had to move it because we weren't selling enough tickets and my team at the time wanted me to say that there'd been a technical difficulty and that we can't do the show but i just went out and told everyone i'm not selling enough tickets right now so we're just going to do another it's a show case of being vulnerable and being like please support me got I in need touch. Your help. yeah please buy tickets the amount of people got in touch and just being like it's so good to actually know the truth yeah. and so my whole remit now it's just basically doing that it's just being yeah. an honest musician but i suppose that's your sell it's like being endearing and being truthful and honest which i suppose is exactly what we're all making. well that's how i get into trouble not into trouble but like it means i i, oh, I create are we getting an exclusive no 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 no, no troubles there but I just i become very invested in like i really struggle with the term fans i find i find it very detaching from but like people who interact with me and follow me and have done for years um I become very invested in them as people like they invest in me, me so much and you know some of them are so sweet they'll check on me on a daily basis in fact and it but you know by care but I care but, th- but this is the thing everyone's I've had some in the past you know people have come up to me at shows and said you know this has got me through a really dark time I've this is the first time I found peace was during a, and to a lot of people that would be very heavy but it hasn't ever felt heavy to me and I do have like a savior complex I know I do um mm-hmm. but I, I I know also that if I ever felt that my capacity was reaching a high, I'd just stop and take a step back, but it hasn't today. And I love the fact that music can help people and heal people and it works both ways. Um, Absolutely. And being on tour and I mean, I miss it at the minute, but being on tour and meeting all these people and hearing how my music's affected their life is just such a profound thing to me. Of course, and I think that's part of the reason why that as a career and you being able to connect to people and help people through things is probably why you've stuck at it and craved not having the weekends because you still want to work. Yeah, for my best friends who had a baby and the day they told Mm -hmm. me, it was completely unexpected pregnancy, they're 25, and the day they told me, I sat down and had one of those kind of like creative dumps where it just kind of came through my and i had this beautiful song and i kept it a secret from them and i gave it to them after their baby was born and now i've had like my sister now wants me to sing it down the aisle for her when she marries her fiance in august Stop. That's. 
and it's just the sweetest Incredible. thing and it was just the, the quickest one of the quickest songs I ever wrote mm. but those things are just so important yeah so beautiful to be able to connect to people like that um and touch people's lives um I mean that versus the people that message me on Instagram asking how to make a chocolate cake I think you're in the right <laughs> <laughs> but cake is so important mm-hmm. question it really is yeah no it really is cake got me through some of the darker times i have to trade cake for music tips then please and thank you Mm -hmm. okay so their next question was do you recommend putting music on spotify how did you get it out there originally um i messed well in the first instance i put my i put a song on bbc introducing which is an incredible platform and i have had such a great experience with because it goes to your local area so if i i'm from north yorkshire so my local area even though i live here is york uh, north yorkshire and i developed a really strong relationship with a presenter there called jericho keys and he'll just as soon as i upload anything now he plays it pretty much the next day it's great and he got me to he got me to play uh, leeds fest reading fest all that and i so when i first uploaded my first song it got played in radio one pretty much instantly I panicked and released the entire EP immediately on SoundCloud. Yeah, you're like, you like this? Have everything. Yeah, yeah, have everything. Which then left me songless for the next six months, seven months while I kind of figure out what to do. Um, then I got management with the On Sofa guys and all that happened and we released through Spotify. And at the time, Spotify was again in its infancy. And I don't know if it, it was just like I hit, sonically I hit the nail on the head or we just got lucky, but my first songs did really well. And we got like tens of thousands of streams on the first day and amassed to like, millions in the long run whereas now spotify is really tricky For example my past two releases have been the most organized to date we've ticked every box everything looks great sounds great they're some, some of the strongest songs and they just haven't performed as the, as my old stuff did and i don't think that has anything to, to do with the quality of the music or anything like it just is there's more people on spotify there's pitching is harder you've you're held at mercy to algorithms Amen. And if and if you're not a viral sensation on TikTok at the minute, it's really hard. Don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it is. I mean, I I have two examples from the past week, and one of them is a good friend of mine, Beth McCarthy, who she's she was on The Voice way back when, very talented singer songwriter, and we were, we went for a walk in before Christmas, and we we're just chatting about music industry, and she's kind of done. She was like very stressed with it all, didn't know where to turn with her music and stuff, and I'd just got on TikTok and not enjoyed it and i said to her let's give it a go there's no harm give it a go and within three videos she had millions of views she's now just released a single on friday that's did hundreds of thousands of streams on the first day because of her tiktok following and it works for some people so well and it converts to spotify really well but i'm just not that person yet and or i don't know if i will be in short basically people should release through like you got a wall you've got uh, ditto there's like all these district kid all these base of these dsps we call them that will upload it to spotify and all these different places and as long as you set up your projects well and there's a ton of great resources on youtube of how to give yourself the best chance whether it's on lining up your social media properly having the best graphics having the best yeah. kind of um photos bios this and the other but it is about just you know taking it seriously and and giving yourself the best chance to be seen and to be heard and everyone loves a story and so yeah, i've had projects in the past that did a cover that ended up on um love island yeah, it happened it just it was a cover of giving the night by george benson and me and my mate just did it i can't even remember why we did it but it broke itv2 
um, sync history by being one of the longest and the biggest syncs on ITV2 history. Insane. They played the entire song on Love Island over a cringy kissing scene. <laughs> yeah, Love Island, albeit, has many cringy kissing scenes. Has great music. Great music. And we, I think that streamed... That did like six or seven hundred thousand streams on Spotify just off the back That's of the program. Insane. And so we're like, cool, Spotify, put us in some playlists. Let's build this. Like, this could be huge. But they weren't invested because there's no story there. They're like, cool, you did a cover, but what's the artist story? Where's your journey? What are you going to do next? And we didn't have one. So I urge anyone, if you're going to do this and take it seriously, think about what your journey is going to be and think, cool, what's my story? And, you know, now mine is like, you know, I've been making music my entire life. I moved down from. Yorkshire down here did all these music things I write for other people and there's this like, there's a thing bubbling there rather than just like oh we did a cover for the sake of it and now it's on TV it's like okay uh, nothing there's nothing to invest in there that's still an incredible achievement yeah the next question is for someone who can sing but can't play any instruments what would you recommend doing would you recommend pairing up with somebody or you know <laughs> learning an instrument <laughs> uh I mean it's easy for me to say because I've always played instruments but I don't I'd say learn an instrument because it's so easy to like just grab a keyboard and I've played music all my life and I've never been able to read music I just it didn't click with me um my brother's the same my sister's the opposite she's like grade eight she can read everything write everything great I, we just don't have that brain so from a very young age I would just listen to things on the radio and then copy them and then over time your ear becomes adapted to it I don't have perfect pitch at all and I'm envious of those who do but you can you can develop an acquired pitch and so I can very easily hear something and pretty much play it and so and having done that I know that if you stick to it it will happen fairly quickly for you and so I think I've got friends who picked up instruments in lockdown that they haven't picked up before and by the end of lockdown now they're fairly proficient on it and so I think the hardest part is just starting but I definitely think just get out there yeah. and have a go but failing that you can go into things like splice which is like a sample library that you can pay a couple of quid a month and you can just download instrumentals or guitar hooks or whatever and just write to those. And some sessions I do on Zoom or with people, we literally just do that. And there have been some samples on Splice that end up on like Khalid tunes or Bieber tunes and it's just insane. It's insane. So, You're like, I know that one. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many that I can recognise off Splice, but it's worth just... I think people are very... Um, it's very easy to just make excuses. Very easy to make Absolutely. excuses. And I could sit here and make a ton for myself today and not do anything. But when there's a will, there's a way. And I just think if you really want to do it, you'll find a way to do it. And I think any means. And pairing up with people is great as well. Co-writing has been one of the most freeing experiences of my life. Like I used to write solely by myself and that's great. But co-writing just opens you up to so many different possibilities, different backgrounds, different influences, different cultures, different expertise. And it's just so broadening and especially early days if you're just starting out just get out and jam with people yeah that must be amazing i suppose especially with you writing k-pop which is korean pop and um doing loads of country with loads of different people did writing Mm. and collabing with other people help you there for sure the keith urban ones are really well the the bts one was interesting in many ways because i did a whole song on it so mira mass had done the beat on it I wrote lyrics and melody and then they sent it off and then I didn't hear anything for ages. They then, Zara um, Larson went off with a talented writer called Max Wolfgang who I've done a few bits with and they went off and rewrote the concept and the idea and turned it into something else. They turned it into what it needed to be. I, I couldn't have done that, I don't think. And so that was great. With the Keith Urban one was really interesting. Again, I got sent a track 
the guy I was working with was like, this could be good for Keith Urban. I did a melody on it. Again, the first instinct pass. I usually mumble words and stuff and the song came out to be Say Something and on my original pass it said, Say Something, Say Something, Say Something. Um, and then I sat there and I thought, cool, well, we've got melody and some lyric ideas, but I just don't think I'm the guy to finish this lyric. And again, that's another ego check thing. It's just like, if I wanted to be greedy, yeah. I, like, I want all the percentage. I want all the publishing. I want all of it. I'll try and finish it. But, I, but it's not about it, that. It's not about that yeah. and it wouldn't work. So we went to a very talented writer called Lindy Robbins who she discovered Julie Michaels and she just did all this incredible stuff and she nailed it she had the exact sentiment and then she was able to go to Keith direct and be like what do you want to write about and he was very vulnerable and he he was very open and he wouldn't have been I don't think if I'd just gone ahead and written my lyric on it I don't think it would have got cut I don't think he would have done it interesting and it's so interesting the way and the process that it's all done I had absolutely no idea I mean, it, it works in so many ways and that's why this industry is so funny because I've written thousands of songs and only had a handful come out and I've been fortunate with the people I've worked with. But in the coming years, there'll be a song I wrote five years ago that I, I don't even think anything about that will become a huge song, I have no doubt, in probably the next 10 years. And you just don't know. And Benny Blanca did an interview the other day saying the exact same thing. He's like, I've written so many songs and I forget about them. And when they're ready, they'll pop mm -hmm. up and they'll release and Amazing. they'll become a thing. Yeah, linking back to Elizabeth Gilbert's so, Big Magic. Exactly. Everything will have its turn, I suppose. Exactly. This is so interesting. Okay, final three tips for anybody looking to become a songwriter. So we have hustle, make contacts. Yeah, hustle, make contacts. Just keep going. Just keep. I say this to people all the time. I've got so many stories of people who were just about to give up and then the thing happened. Let's just never. I think the famous one, Caroline Aylin, who's an incredible writer, she wrote New Rules for Dua Lipa. And originally, I think it was a Little Mix song. And she was done. And I have friends who work with her. She's like, this is my last session. I'm just going to give up music. Then New Rules blew the hell up. And now she is where she is. Like, you just have to keep going. And the reason why people succeed in this industry isn't necessarily because they're the most talented. It's because they just kept going i know plenty of talented people who just stopped and it is going to be really difficult it's a really tricky industry but if you just keep it up Amazing. it will happen and also just focus on your own lane and your own journey don't focus on anyone else i could easily depress myself by looking at Billie eilish at the age she is and how much she's accomplished mm -hmm. it's too easy yeah, to it's do not worth but it. it's not worth it and i will do what i do when i do and it'll be you know i want to do it right so absolutely and when your time comes your time comes and like stay in your own lane absolutely and it will come when it does you just have to have faith and not give up as you've been saying oh my gosh i've been working in countless hot sweaty kitchens yeah. and i did not want to do that and then email good food about fifty thousand times and lo and yeah. behold i got the job so also just do it like people are too scared to upset people like they'll tell you if they don't want to hear from you again <laughs> it will make it very clear hear from them <laughs> you won't hear but then you know, I've only ever got jobs or opportunities through the grey area, I call it. It's just like, it's not black and white in my life at all. It's always just like, cool, so there's a submission box for applications here. I'll find an email and go somewhere else because yes. it just you makes so much sense to, to just do it the other you way. You hunt that person down on LinkedIn. Yeah. You find who to contact. You yeah. kidnap their children and you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the first line of the podcast. Go quick. Kidnaps children. <laughs> Well, it's been, it's been great. You know, I had a good run. You're so <laughs> welcome. Okay, Scott, um, where can people find you online? All the usual places. I don't have to spell it out. I'm on Instagram, Spotify, all that stuff. And uh, 
every stream like TikTok. share i am on tiktok but f- oh i haven't found my niche yet i haven't found my niche yet let's just say that much and this thing in the back I of my no cooking idea. videos we'll get you there that, literally that could be the thing <laughs> that could be team. the thing and do you have any new songs or anything else you want to plug my next single holding on to letting go is coming out probably may i think so listen to that help me pay my rent <laughs> relatable <Thanks>. as always <laughs> thanks god <laughs> hi future liberty here as you can tell this was recorded a long long time ago holding on to letting go is in fact out now because a few months have passed please listen to it it's an absolute banger anyway let's crack on with a little outro Wow, that was just so incredibly interesting and I thank Scott for being so honest and open about his journey so far. I hope that gave you an insight into the mind of a songwriter. Well, I know I've learned to say yes to just about anything from listening to this. Thank you for listening. I'm Liberty and you can find me on Instagram at bakingtheliberty and I'll catch you next time. Thanks guys. You want interesting stories? Hear hilarious tales Are cooking a glory Wondrous successes and epic fails Celebrity run-ins All the gossip and tea You get it all She's at your back and call When you're taking the liberty Yes, you're taking the liberty When you're talking with me Oh, 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 oh